Coming up on this episode, we talk historical romance with the hosts of the Tea and Strumpets podcast. Welcome to episode 283 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. I'm Will Knaus, and with me, as always, is my co-host and husband, Mr. Jeff Adams. Hello, everybody. Welcome back, Rainbow Romance readers. We are so glad that you could join us for another episode. So at the end of 2020, as always looking back at the past year, as one is wont to do in the month of December... I was sort of assessing personally what went well for me and what did not go so well. And as I was going over my reading list from the past year, I started to think about what sort of reading goals that I wanted to move forward with in 2021. And one of those goals for this new year is the fact that I really enjoy historical romance. Now, you've heard Jeff and I talk about how much we love authors like Kat Sebastian. We've talked about her many, many times. And even this past October, our book club pick was a spellbinding gothic historical romance by Gillian St. Kevin. And it was while I was looking back, I decided that I don't read nearly enough in this particular subgenre. There are so many amazing stories and so many amazing authors who write historicals that I've never read. So I decided 2021 was going to be the year that I'm fixing that. So we kicked the new year off with the book club selection of K.J. Charles's In Unseen Attraction. And there is still time, by the way, to read that before the episode drops on the 28th. Now, while I'm an enthusiast of this particular subgenre, I am by no means an expert. And that is why we asked Kelsey and Zoe to join us on this week's episode. Yeah, it was so wonderful to have Zoe and Kelsey with us. They are the hosts of the Tea and Strumpets podcast, which focuses solely on Regency romance. And they also happen to be friends of ours through the Frolic Podcast Network. They started their podcast back in August 2019. And in this interview, not only do we find out why they started that podcast, but we kind of dig in with them about what they like about historicals, their favorite tropes, and some of their favorite books, too, that feature LGBTQ characters. It's a really great conversation. Zoe and Kelsey, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on our show. Thank you so much. We are so excited to be here with you today. I'm Zoe. (laughs) Oh, and this voice belongs to the Kelsey. Like Jeff said, we are so glad to have you on the show. As a matter of fact, it showed up in my social media feed, a memory of our turn on your show, Tea and Strumpets, almost exactly one year to the day. We came on and discussed Cat Sebastian's no. The Soldier's Scoundrel and had an absolute blast. So thank you for agreeing to come on the show. Well, oh my thanks gosh. for having us. Our big gay fiction book club selection for January is K.J. Charles's An Unseen Attraction. And so since we're reading historical for the month, we really wanted to have a broader discussion on historicals. And I think it'd be a great opportunity for you two to maybe introduce yourselves to our audience a little bit in case they're not familiar with Tea and Strumpets. And also let us know how you came to love historicals as you have to even build your own podcast about it. Absolutely. So historicals have always been my bread and butter, not going to lie. Even as a kid, I read historical fiction. That was kind of my jam. And then it became fantasy. And fantasies always have a bit more of a love story, something going through them. And then I was introduced to historical romance and I was like, ah, everything I want in a package. (laughs) So that's kind of how I, Kelsey, came to it. And I love that you're reading KJ Charles. I haven't read nearly enough of her, but the book we did read was so good. Which one did you read? 
Band it's Sinister, good. we read. Yeah. Band oh. Sinister. Oh, so yeah. good. I'm really, really good. Admit, this is my first KJ Charles. <laughs> Ooh. Given well, how long KJ's been writing, it's like ridiculous. It's mm -hmm. taking me this long to get there. Band Sinister, next one on the list. Fabulous. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and Zoe, what about you? So Kelsey and I met because we were working at the same place and we lived together because our boss owned the apartment and sorry for the baby noises in the background. If people are hearing those, I just have a baby in the background. <laughs> and so Kelsey saw my bookcase and she basically was like, Hmm, I just, I think you might really like these books that I like. And cause I was a fantasy reader before I was a romance reader. And, and Kelsey, we had a lot of the same books. Yes, we did. <laughs> Basically, she gave me a Regency romance and the rest is history. <laughs> and then I had this crazy idea that we should start a podcast. I'd always, I'm a huge podcast fan and I just really wanted to do one. I thought it would be a really fun, creative outlet. And I looked on the internet and I saw that there were no romance podcasts in the world at all. And so, <laughs> and so I was like, I have found the gold of podcasts and we started our podcast. And before we even got it out, I was like, oh, wait a minute, there's a million fabulous ones. So we became, you know, part of the community and we've just had such a blast doing it. I always like to joke that like I gave Zoe historical romances and she gave me podcasts because we would often carpool to work and she would always have a podcast going. So then even when we went our separate ways, I started listening to podcasts and got really in them. So when she approached me, I was like, yes, I'm in. What is it about historicals that you love so much that just draws you into them? I think for me, it's more, I like a good world building as you can say from like a fantasy novel. I like also really being able to take myself to another time and place. And sometimes with contemporaries, especially if I don't immediately identify with the contemporary character, I just find myself not as interested, I would say. I just find it a little bit harder to get into the novel, into the book versus when I step into a Regency romance, it's like right away there's dukes and lords and there's like precedent and there's manners and you have these great descriptions of beautiful dresses and men's waistcoats and you have to kind of learn a whole different dialogue about it and it's just kind of fun it's being able to sink yourself into a fantasy world but it's real life it's real pe you know real people did live lives then it's you can take yourself back to that time sometimes it we on our podcast often have a historical fact and it's because while we're reading, they'll be mentioning this or that. And Zoe and I will be like, hmm, let's learn a little bit more about this today. <laughs> so we'll kind of go down our own little historical rabbit hole just to learn a bit more about it. And so I just like that you can look back in time, actually see real people who lived in that era, but you still get the fantasy and the prettiness of a novel. Yeah, I would echo that. And I would say it's basically like, it's a, it's just a really, you know, I think reading in general is a form of escapism, obviously, but I think like that little bit of whimsy that historical romance gives you, but also still grounded in kind of something that you understand and you don't have to, you don't have to go into a historical romance knowing anything or learning anything, right? When you go into a fantasy book, you have to learn their system of magic or the names of all the different races or whatever that is that the fantasy world builder is building for you. Historical romance has a fairly established set of rules, some of which I will say 
are bad and need to be torn down. <laughs> and <laughs> luckily a lot of the current authors are tearing those down and building, you know, better sets of ideas for the historical romance world. And so I think like as a reader, you kind of go into the entire genre with your kind of rule set and your understanding from the beginning, but it's still very escapist. Like it's still, it's still removed enough, I think, from contemporary to not feel like, you know, like contemporary. I don't know. When I read contemporary, I find I don't, I'm not escaping out of my day to day enough. And I think that's why I just love historical. Although I will say one of my favorite reads from 2020 was a contemporary, but I've only read like six contemporaries. So (laughs) (laughs) most of my contemporaries are paranormal romance. So like when I read a contemporary, I want a paranormal romance because that to me is just like, well, it takes place in present day, but there's still some escapism fantasy-ness in it. Each of us as readers has our own favorites, especially when it comes to tropes. And 2021 is going to be my year of historical and kind of diving into what gay historicals are all about and specifically some of the tropes that surround that. So I'm curious about the two of you as readers, what are some of your favorite historical tropes? So we were talking to an author about this at some point. I can't remember who it was. Are we just we Cat Sebastian? Was it okay? So, but we were we were like, are historical or are are there different? Actually, we asked her. I think are gay tropes different than like than you know straight romance tropes? I can't remember exactly how we phrased it at the the time. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, a little bit more, I don't know, put together than than that. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, in historical romance, I think our conversation led us to the whole idea that like tropes are tropes, and you can kind of see those tropes in every genre. But I think for historical romance, you know, you definitely the biggest one that fits in that genre kind of more naturally is marriage of convenience or that and then like the ruination right like some you know woman was ruined so they have to get married it's a little bit marriage of convenience same thing those aren't my favorite tropes so I will say <laughs> I was just reading one the other day I love an enemies to lovers trope Oh, I yeah, love that's it. my favorite. It's my favorite. <laughs> like all this brooding sexual tension and they're like fighting each other and they're like, I hate them. They're like, mm, but they're so handsome. But grr, I just hate their handsome face. And I just, oh, I love it. Cause then usually when like they finally meet, it's like this eruption of passion and it's like, oh, sweeps you away. I love an enemies to lovers. Although another good one, which I just remember with the conversation from Kat Sebastian was she wrote a book yes which she could just be qualified as there's only one bed the novel which is such a great one for historical because like there's always the scene where like that's what pushes it over it's not the whole trope it's like one of the tropes you find in it mm-hmm. but it's just like they're caught in a rainstorm and they find a cabin but oh, there's only one bed or they're traveling and they're going to an inn, but there's only one room available with only one bed. And like that forcing of close quarters is really just fun because it's great. And like Kat Sebastian, she even says she, she likes to pick a trope and then write a novel around the trope. She also said her favorite thing to write is for a trope is like two people who can't get over their own like thing. So it's like Mm. each of them trying to just overcome their one 
issue. And so it's less about the world around them and more about the characters themselves. And I also like, as I started to read more of her stuff, I saw more of that. And I just, I loved that. Like her, I think it's, it takes two to, is it tumble or the, the one that came out last year is such a beautiful exercise in that. Like it's only one bed and like, they're just two people who can't get out of their own way. I think is how she Mm -hmm. phrased it. Mm -hmm. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think what you're speaking to is something that I have found really interesting in some of the more recent historicals that I've read, because there is the one aspect, there is, you know, the world building and the history. But something that surprised me when I started getting back into historicals is it's so incredibly character driven and so deeply personal for each of these characters. And like you said, having to get over their like one thing, their either it's their one hang up or their preconceived notion about the other. I found myself being incredibly connected to these people who are presumably from a whole different time. You'd think I would have absolutely nothing in common with them, but I'm really empathetic to what these characters are going through. Yes. And that's something that I think I find them just very relatable in that. Sense. Yeah. Like you said you just really feel some empathy for them. And even when you hate the hero, I was reading Loretta Chase the other day and I finished it and like the hero, even through the entirety of it was not really nice. And he even talks about himself. He refers to himself as an asshole the whole time. And he refers to himself as like getting in his own way and just trying to like fight the urge to fight everyone else. And, you know, he's like, oh, I got to remember to think first and use my fists later. And he's like, oh, I'm taxing my brain. But like, you could feel him really struggling that internal battle of like, I want to change who I am because I'm noticing like there's a pattern and I've almost lost, like he had at the beginning of the book, he'd almost killed his best friend, one of his best friends in a duel. And he's just like shaken by it. And so he's like, I need to figure out how to change my ways, but how can I do that when everyone only sees me as this person? And I've only seen myself as this person for so long. And I think we've all been there where we're like, how do we change our own internal selves to match who we want to be on the outside? Well, and and I haven't read enough contemporaries to like feel that, you know, but to, to know if the, what I'm about to say is, is true fact, but I think, yeah, I mean, my my knowledge of historicals is that often I connect very deeply with the characters, that there is so much depth to them. And whether it's the hero or the heroine, or you have, you know, two heroes or you have two heroines or whatever, like it doesn't, doesn't matter. Sometimes, you know, when you find a really good character on the page, I think like a great writer brings out pieces of that character that you can see in yourself and you can, you can relate to, I think. So I think romance probably as a genre is strong on that because it really is about the relationship and the characters at the end of the day. So I don't know. I love it. I'm just gushing. (laughs) One of the things that I loved as we came on your show to talk about Soldier Scoundrel, you have kind of a checklist that you go through after you do your discussion of the plot. You have these four or five things that you use to help, you know, decide how the book was for you. And I really loved how you kind of put each of the books into perspective. Tell everybody a little bit about that list and how you decided to really focus in on those elements. So for anyone who hasn't listened to our show, after we kind of go over the plot and our general thoughts, we kind of break it down into like our hero, our heroine, or just main character one, main character two. And 
Then we break it down into steaminess and we talk about a quote that we really like or really just thought was funny or something like that. And then our encounter counter is always our fun one. And yeah, and then we kind of give it our overall rating out of 10. And so we kind of came up with those because for us, one thing that's fun about the historicals is because like Zoe said, there's some things that are historical in the rules that don't really mesh well with how we're viewing the world today. And so sometimes you reread a book that it's been a while or it's just an older book and maybe you like the hero as fun as he was, he just doesn't gel with you as much as he could be. He's a little too like misogynistic. He's a little too high handed. He doesn't quite have that moment of like change you're looking for that mo that aha moment that kind mm -hmm. of we think makes a good hero, especially if they were kind of this like arrogant manly man beforehand. And sometimes same with the heroine. So in the heroine, we look at her because one thing Zoe and I both really love is, sorry, Zoe, if I'm speaking for you, um, we <laughs> Go love a good it. feisty heroine. We like a girl who's just like, this is what I want and I'm going to achieve it. And, you know, but who also can grow and be kind and recognize her own mistakes, but, you know, kind of is passion, like is proud of who she is as herself. And she finds a partner who not only is happy to have her be that way, but is happy to uplift her that way too. Like the two of them together, you know, they really form a strong pair and they lift each other up. And so that's why we like to break it down to our hero and our heroine. Cause sometimes we love one of them, but we're not so thrilled about the other one, but mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean the book's bad. It's just like, eh, maybe that person just didn't work well for us. Yeah. I think as far as how we broke it down, it was the idea of, I wanted us I mean, I'm a very like type A personality and I have to have like everything written down and, and, you know, a lot of meeting, I mean, my, my, my job is as a project manager. So I'm just very like oriented in that way. And so I thought, okay, we'll have this outline. We'll have these different things that we talk about all of these segments, because generally I think like segments on podcasts, I really like. I will, I will say I had never listened to a book podcast before we started one, never, not once. So, <laughs> but I did listen to quite a few movie podcasts. And I think that's kind of how I kind of got the idea of, of breaking it up like that. And through, you know, discussions, we, we broke it down to, like she said, the, the main character one, main character two, our steaminess rating and encounter counter, and then our feminist recap too. Ooh, Kelsey yeah, that left one. that one out. Gosh, because wow. Basically Boom. we just, we like, but you, you, you were saying it absolutely which is that a lot of these mm -hmm. books are a little bit you know kind of they're a little older and so sometimes and even sometimes the ones that are newer also don't do well on this and it's like would would I do I think that this book is a supporter do I think this book is neutral or do I think this book is you know not a supporter because sometimes it's just like would I you know this book I wouldn't give this book to someone to say like, you're going to feel empowered after this book, but it's still not going to be like, oh, this might have some negative connotations if I gave it to a young person to read. Right. I don't want the person to walk away from the book thinking that, you know, A, B or C is okay. And sometimes I see that in writing in, in even more contemporary writing that makes me sad because like the heroine or the hero tears themselves down a lot. And by the end of the book, if they haven't had the arc to then be better and, and come, 
rise above that, you know, you want to see the butterfly emerge from the cocoon, right? Like you don't want them to still be in the cocoon at the end of it. And so that's what I really am looking for in, in a good book. And so that's why we really do dissect it in that way. And then I know like ratings are controversial for a lot of podcasts, you know, some people like to rate and some people only like to review books that they like because they only want to promote things that they love. And I think that that is also fabulous. I just, I didn't think about that to be honest when we first started, but we've kind of taken the road that you know, if we really hate it, we won't do it. But if we still want to talk about it, if there's still some merit, but we didn't love it, then maybe it is something to bring to light. For example, we've done two Hanukkah novellas and those are, and I'm going to say this with, with like 95% confidence, the only two Hanukkah Regency romance novellas that exist. And I mean, I have searched far and wide and are either of them fabulous? Sadly, no. But do I want more of them? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I want to discuss that. And I want to talk about what's good about them, what I think isn't great about them. But I want to, you know, I want to bring it to light. We've given ourselves a platform, people are listening to us. So I want to use that to help the genre grow, even if it's just by like one little tiny step. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's really important to broaden that diversity of what's out there and talk about, you know, different religions, different holidays, different everything mm-hmm. else, because it all existed back then. Mm-hmm. Yes, different, you know, different colors of people, different sexual orientations, you know, different pairings, all of those things were absolutely happening. Although some people seem to think that they weren't. <laughs> you know, <laughs> life has always been diverse. So yeah, I definitely want to help promote kind of growth in the genre and steer away from kind of what historicals naturally are, especially when you're talking about the aristocracy, which is very white hetero. But luckily we have authors who are coming in and saying, okay, how can we make this better? And they mm-hmm. are. And of course, we would be remiss discussing Regency romance in January, 2021, without talking about Bridgerton. Oh yeah. Which I mean, I think opened up, (laughs) opened Uh, up so many people to Regency romance all of a sudden that is not of the Jane Austen ilk and just really blew it out there. Now you guys have covered Bridgerton on your show. We've covered the books. No, we have not yet covered the show, but we are going to be covering the show. And that's an important distinction. What did you guys think of it? How does it compare to the books? Well, I will say first off that I've only watched half the series so far. I have an 11 week old baby, so forgive me. Um, <laughs> that's okay. I won't spoil anything too much for you, Zoe. Granted, I think you know how it ends. I hope so. <laughs> I sure do. I do, I do. Anyway, I have watched the whole thing and I really enjoyed it. It does stay pretty close to the book. There have been some things that were obviously changed more as I was talking with a friend of mine more just because of the way writing works versus the way film works. You know, there's Mm -hmm. so much that can be said in a book and it's just very hard to convey those same things on film, especially if you don't have someone narrating it for you. And unless someone wants to narrate the entire film for you, it's just not going to work. 
I will say, I think it's been spectacular how well they've taken the whole Regency romance genre and thrown it into what I've seen is four episodes. Oh yeah. In four episodes, they have given those who don't know anything about Regency romance, the rules Mm -hmm. very clearly, very, very quickly, and just made it be so easy. Like this is just, this is the world you live in. These are the rules. And they've taken so many things from other series and other Regency romances that are not in the Bridgerton books to establish the world that just have me like so surprised. I'm like, Chris Van Dusen, did you go and read a ton more Regency romances after reading Bridgerton and starting to develop it? I just don't know. Like there's this scene with an older man inspecting a young prospective woman's teeth. Uh, That is not in Bridgerton. That's in like a bunch of other books. It's in one Mm -hmm. we read recently. And I was like, oh my God, that was in, I can't remember which one. She was at the dinner table and he asked her to look at his teeth. Do you remember? Yeah, I do. She said, smile girl. So I can, you know, and she just was like, Emma, I'm not a horse. Like, (laughs) yeah, you know, it was... (laughs) And so it was to me, it was so fascinating how well they got the genre. They did. And that's what I mean by like, especially the first few episodes, like they're establishing so much, you know, you're meeting the siblings, you're meeting the family, you're meeting the side characters, but you're also discovering the rules of Regency. And like Zoe said, they did a really fabulous job with that. And I did like, you know, if you have read the books, you're going to see there are little moments where it's like dialogue directly taken from a book or scenes directly taken from a book, which is quite fun. Oh, so fun. Yeah. So there's like, you know, there's moments where if you read the books, you're like, oh, I know what's happening here. It's quite fun. But at the same time, too, they did take, you know, they did take some liberties as far as like where the characters are in it. And so I'm... I came away with it utterly fascinated by what's happening next season and the season after that, because they, you know, they gave you so much information and they gave you these side characters. And I, as if you've read all the books, you're like, I know this person though, but they're not there in that book. (laughs) Have you guys watched the whole thing? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to say I saw something online that I haven't quite seen yet, but my husband picked up on it because I believe, so spoilers for Bridgerton now, guys. So if you don't want to (laughs) listen, skip a couple minutes ahead. But I believe that one of the main characters for sure is not going to end up with who he ends up in the books with. And I believe it's Benedict, if I'm not mistaken. Ooh, it, am well, I wrong? they were asked, they were asking me about this because it seems that Benedict is taking like a different path. Yeah. I'm, and the my husband, my husband turned book? to me immediately and said, is Benedict gay? And I said, not in his book, but I hope he is in the show. Like I was <laughs> yeah. super into his storyline. And no, me too. Know, I was saying, I loved what they had done with it, but like in the books, no, he marries someone else and he has this lovely Cinderella story, but yeah. like, I love what they've done so far and I'm very happy for him to live a different lifestyle. Absolutely. I mean, I just, the way that the the actors portrayed it and the writing portrayed it, it was really like exciting for me to watch, you know, and all the lines and the hints he was dropping and stuff. It, mm-hmm. it, it makes me excited because again, that's like taking a piece of the genre as it is today and putting it into the show. You know, when Julia Quinn wrote his book 17 years ago, Cat Sebastian hadn't published the first Avon gay historical romance. So it wasn't mainstream yet. Anyhow, I'm, 
I'm really hopeful that that's yeah. where they go with it. I haven't, again, I've only seen episode four, but it feels like that's the direction it's heading. It was really exciting. And seeing him, like his, he as a character is an artist in his book. So they're still taking a lot of him and infusing it in, but like making it come to life. So yeah, I'm excited about that. Yes. I'm very excited about all of it. And as, like I said, as a reader of the books, like I, I wasn't disappointed because like, I didn't expect it to be exactly the same, nor did I want it to be exactly the same. I wanted to see how it would relate in the world that we live in today. And as well as encouraging people who'd never delved into Regency before, how it could catch their interest. And I mean, visually, the costumes, the scenery, the actors. Oh, the, a- oh, the <laughs> actors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're beautiful. Well, yeah, I will say, like, I guess when I first saw the costumes come out, I was like, that's that's like a little bit more flamboyant than Regency. You know, Regency was very muted on the colors. And I'm so glad that they didn't stick with that. They said, this is Regency fantasy, right? Like, this isn't complete Regency. This is not a period piece. This is a Shondaland period piece. <laughs> And I, I really love all the sets and the actors and the, and the, the way their portrayal of every character is fabulous and the costumes are great. I hope it opens the door and I've seen some articles on it where they, they think that maybe the popularity of Bridgerton opens the door to more of this kind of show. I know Entertainment Weekly did a roundup of what they wanted to see with Kat Sebastian actually on that list. Mm-hmm. Yes. That they wanted to see her stuff you know, dramatized on TV. And I'm like, yeah, bring that right now. I'll watch all those episodes. (laughs) Well, what's really nice is that I remember like a decade ago now, after Fifty Shades, there were like 8 Mm. million different online articles. You know, if you loved Fifty Shades, here's what to read next. Now we're seeing if you loved Bridgerton, here's what you should be reading next. Do, (laughs) Do you think the series is a good gateway to the Julia Quinn series and and other authors in this genre? A million percent. Oh, yeah. I think Julia Quinn is the perfect gateway into historicals. She was really like my gateway. Bridgerton was Mm. like I read one other author, like a small four book series, and then I read Bridgerton. So like Julia Quinn, I've read every single work she has produced. And after watching Bridgerton, I went back and I read some other old Julia Quinn books. Yeah, she basically, she's, I mean, she's a fabulous writer and she's extremely funny. I would say that's maybe what the show is also missing, her humor. It's missing a, l- a mm-hmm. little bit of her little... humor. It does have some of it, but my God, the books are laugh out loud riotous, like absolutely hilarious. Mm-hmm. And I think they read so easily that, yes, once you read that, if you love Bridgerton and you go to read the books, there's no way you're not going to love the books because you're going to, it's just so rewarding as a reader to read them. And then you're going to want more. And then you're a romance reader because that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think this show is going to bring more people into Regency and hopefully just more people into romance, period. Have you seen that the, the books are totally sold out everywhere? Like no one can get the Duke and I? Like it's, that's wild. Avon like issued a statement saying they're reprinting oh, yeah. as fast as they can. Mm. That's amazing. Because you said how long? 17 years? The book was written 21 years ago. 21 years ago. Yeah. The, I would I would say the third one was written, you know, I was guessing 17 years or so, which is Benedict's book. Yeah. I would say like, if you, if you want them, just buy the rest of the series and then get the first one when you can. <laughs> yeah. 
Although also the first one's not even the best in the series. Not by it's not. It's not, not. by a long shot. <laughs> it's a good intro, but like, oh my God. It's the love like, stories of all of the other characters of book two, three, four, five, and six are like way better than the love story of Simon and Daphne. So we were excited that we got to be on your show for your first reading of an MM Regency romance. What have you read more recently that our audience might love? And you know, what's what's been on your show that we should be pointing people to as well? Well, I recently read Hamilton's Battalion, which is not Regency. It is historical, but it takes place in America during the Revolutionary War. And it is three short stories in the book. And it's by Rose Lerner, Courtney Milan, and Alyssa Cole. And so the first one is Rose Lerner. She writes about a Jewish couple. It, it takes place mainly during the Battle of Yorkshire. The second one is A Male Male by Courtney Milan. And it is also an interracial romance as well. And it takes place after it is a British soldier who's gone MIA and he has his life had been spared by a black militiaman in the Battle of Yorkshire. And then he's helping that man get back to his family in Rhode Island afterwards. So they travel from Virginia to Rhode Island together. And there's some really nice sexual tension in there. It's beautiful. And then the last one is by Alyssa Cole is actually a female female romance short story. And it is with both heroines are black and they are, one is a shopkeeper in town and the other one is secretary to Elizabeth Hamilton. And she's been helping Elizabeth Hamilton get the stories of her husband, Alexander Hamilton. And she's seen all these love stories and she's kind of like, eh, what's love? Like, it's never going to work out for me because like, I don't want to marry anyone. And if I fall in love with a woman, she's just going to drop me for a man anyway. And so it's about her and the shopkeeper and their love together. And so that was a really good little trilogy that I read there. And so your audience might enjoy that. As we mentioned, KJ Charles band Sinister. Fabulous. And we did read Olivia Waite's Female Female. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which, we did. Oh, we Celestial did Mechanics. Guide That's right. To Celestial, Celestial Mechanics. Mechanics. Yes. I haven't read her second one, but Zoe, you said you read it, right? I did. I loved it. I mean, it's about beekeeping and like gardens and these, it's just, it's fabulous. And, and actually that was what I was going to recommend to listeners is our interview with Olivia Waite. It was a fascinating interview. And she talked a lot about how she, you know, what kind of how she chose chooses the professions in her books and how she researches them. Her next one in that series is about a piano tuner, I believe. So like, it's just a really fascinating look into kind of day-to-day -day life in that time period. She tends to do no aristocracy. Kat also tends to do very few aristocracy kind of figures. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I will say my one of my favorite reads last year, if you haven't read it, I know I'm saying Cat Sebastian again, but It Takes Two to Tumble was just, I ate it up in a second. I loved that book. I haven't read a 
books since September <laughs> because I had a baby and like, wow, brain power. But yeah, getting back into the reading thing, but I, I really loved Olivia Waite's book. And we've got one on our 2021 books we're excited about list. That's a male male comes out on April 20th, 2021. It's by Annabelle Green. I haven't read her yet. I don't know if you guys have, but this is number two in her Society of Beasts series and it's called The Soldier and the Spy. So this is a male mail that sounded pretty interesting to me. And so I, you know, interested to check it out and see what, what she's all about. Cool. Soldiers and spies. Sounds good to me just from the title. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't complain. <laughs> well, tell everybody where they can find Tea and Strumpets, what day you guys come out and everything. So if your show's not already on their playlist, they can go in and get it on there. We drop episodes on Thursdays. We normally do like every Thursday, but Zoe had a baby. So we're going to be slightly less, but we're going to be doing yeah. at least a few. <laughs> we'll have a few episodes a month, but you know, life gets away from us. So maybe you'll miss us for a week or two, but we have a lot of backlog for you. So if you miss us, you can check out one of our older episodes and you can find us on Instagram at T is in Tom and is in Nancy Strumpets. We are on Twitter at the same facebook slash tea and strumpets and you can also get episodes on youtube if you search our name of our show and our website is romancepod.com yeah so hopefully that's enough places for you to find us <laughs> and we'll put all of that in the show notes so you can Aww. be easily found <laughs> yes and for any of your listeners like i said if you haven't listened to our show yet we also constantly ask our listeners to give us book recommendations so any, and you don't even have to give necessarily historical romance recommendations because in the middle of our show, we, we call the, we affectionately call the parlor. We give, uh, if we have some good recommendations from listeners, we share them with everybody else. So if you just have a book that you love and want to have us share on the show, you can email us at romancepod at gmail.com. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, Zoe and Kelsey, thank you so much for giving us all this wonderful insight into historicals. It's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful talking to you, too. This episode's transcript has been brought to you by our community on Patreon. If you'd like to read the interview for yourself, simply head on over to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. And don't forget, the show notes page also has links to everything that we've talked about in this episode. And thanks again to Zoe and Kelsey for spending some time with us. I loved the deep dive we took there on historicals. It helps you kind of frame some of the reading that I imagine I will be doing alongside you this year. And I also liked our side discussion on Bridgerton, too. It was good to discuss that after uh, we binged on those episodes at the end of last year. I also want to call out another member of the Frolic Podcast Network family. If you want to fall even further down the Bridgerton rabbit hole, check out the podcast, What Would Danbury Do?, as their tagline puts it, they've got you covered from A to V, and that's from Anthony to Violet. All right, I think that's going to do it for now. Coming up next Monday in episode 284, we're going to chat with audiobook narrator Nick J. Russo. Yeah, I love talking to the audiobook narrators in our genre. Find out how they got their start. Find out what some of their favorite things are about this genre. It was a great conversation with Nick, and look forward to bringing that to everybody next week. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, everyone, please stay strong, be safe, and above all else, keep turning those pages and keep reading. Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more shows you'll love at frolic.media slash podcast. Our original theme music is composed by Daryl Banner. Thank you.